Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. This morning, we are going to be in John chapter 12 at the very end. And uh, so I will now ask you to stand in honor of reading God's word. And once again, as always, invite you to join along with the text. Even though he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, who said, Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is why they were unable to believe, because Isaiah also said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, many did believe in him, even among the rulers, But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him so that they would not be banned from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let me let me just pray. Father, we thank you for these words that point us to the one who is the living word, Jesus the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And we thank you that you, Jesus, are here with us today. We pray that you would speak, that you would reveal to hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So this morning in John uh, chapter 12, I think we've got, there we go. Uh, We're going to see first in this text that the Pharisees are blinded to the truth. And this is something that I think is not just about the Pharisees, but it's something that can happen in our own lives, in our own context as well. How are they blinded to the truth? Well, in verse 37, we read, even though he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. And Jesus had done these miracles. He had clearly fulfilled the scriptures, the prophecies all through the Old Testament. And it was obvious that Jesus was the son of God. He was the Messiah. And Yet they, they did not believe in him. Why? Well, there's an element to this that I can honestly identify with, which is the natural propensity of fallen humanity to doubt. Um, how many of you all have had an experience where you know God worked and things came together, but then afterwards you really question it. Am I sure this happened? Are we sure this was, this was real? Uh, when, when it comes to, uh, just how, how we see the world oftenly, we can, we can see it with a critical eye. So there's a lot of energy that can be towards seeing what's wrong with things. And, and that's just how we are. We're very reductionistic. Um, we have to see it to believe it, but then even after we see it, Sometimes we struggle to believe it and we question it. And there's just so much doubt 
that creeps in. And again, this is in my own mind. There's so much unbelief, which is what the Pharisees ultimately had, that that really plagues us. And I don't know if you all can identify with that, but it's just it's just part of humanity. So I want to acknowledge my own connection. It's easy to just pick on the Pharisees and be like, man, these guys are so dumb. But but there's a way in which I can identify with this unwillingness to see the truth, even when it's right there. James writes about this in James 1, 6 through 8. He says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in his ways. So this doubter is a person who who is back and forth, and they're double-minded. There's this instability. And I'll be honest, I can be that person. Like, I can, I can doubt. I can kind of go back and forth. I think I'm here, but oh, what about this? And well, I got to read another book to make sure. I don't know if any of you guys are in here. I got to, you know, read up on that and see whatever all the experts think, you know, what, what, you know, whoever on YouTube, what do they think about this? Like that back and forth nature of doubting is, is rooted in fear. And that's what the scripture says, that what's behind that is, is fear. And we, as fallen humanity, fear in all kinds of different ways. And ultimately, that fear goes back in the scriptures to the garden where we lost trust in God. When humanity lost trust, absolute trust in God, in what he said was true, and how he called us to live, and, and, and the security that comes from him, when we lost that trust, we became insecure and so out of that, we're fearful because now who has to look out for us? We do. And that fear causes us to be, we question everything, right? Because we're, we, we don't want to, because we don't have the rock of God, that foundation to stand on and be secure in. We're like, okay, well, I don't want to step on the wrong stone because it might go. And so we're very insecure about that. And, and we, we question things. In all kinds of ways. And, and what this does is it's hard to actually see anything as being true. Like that is true. And that's the nature of our age. Like we're, we're critical. Well, I don't know. You know what about this? Or like we, 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 we very much struggle to declare as true what is, what is very clearly true. What God says is true. And so this is where we can be blinded. And I think the Pharisees were what kept them from seeing the truth, even though it was right there, from, from receiving it and standing on it and, and believing it in a real way. Uh, secondly, they were blinded to true glory. Uh, verse 38. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet, who said, Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is why they were unable to believe. Because Isaiah also said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah also said these things because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, many did believe in him, even among the rulers, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. So here's the deal. 
Isaiah in the passage, go back real quick. One slide. Um, go back one more slide. The quote from Isaiah, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts and what? And turn and I would heal them. So what is at the end of the day, the invitation to turn and God would heal them? What is keeping them from that is that they're blinded and their hearts are hardened Right? And so jump two more. Sorry. Uh, so that they would not be banned from the synagogue. What is it that was actually, it's important to walk through this. What's actually blinding them? What do they care about? Being banned from the synagogue for they loved what? Human praise more than play, praise from God. So they were glory blind. The glory of people was more glorious than the glory of God. And because of that, even though they saw it, they saw the truth. They knew it. They were like, he's the Messiah. Right? They would not confess him because they would get kicked out of the synagogues and all of the, both religious and social life was tied to that. Right? But ultimately, they cared what people thought. And at the beginning of this week, as I was reading through this text, God convicted me in an, in an unbelievable way. And I've shared with this in the past when God's kind of done this in another situation. But in this, it was, boom, light, you are glory blind. And he just showed me how... In ministry, I have been so much more focused on the glory of people, you all, than, than God. And it was just like a weight. And I, I wrestled with it. So this text was just beating me up, honestly. And was just, it was just like condemnation. And the question, the way the enemy was putting it was, well, your eyes are blind and your heart's hard and there's no hope. And so I'm just in that place of, of, of just letting that become truth. And there's a lot of things that happen, but... One of them was, in the middle of the week, uh, my son, John Martin, um, one, one thing, he came out randomly and he said, Dad, did you know that it's 567 hours until you live, leave for Israel? I was like, what? Randomness. And I, and I was like, okay. And, and I said, how'd you find that out? He said, I asked Google or whatever. Still, it was just this bizarre thing, okay? And then we're sitting there in the room that night, and we're actually singing this uh, Ephesians 3 Slugs and Bugs song, and 
talking about it, and John Martin just reads this. So he has this book, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, now just to be clear, that was a word find that he had done. But it jumped into my heart. And I just stopped. I said, read it again. (laughs) And it was just this picture. I would say at that point I was in bondage. I was just locked up. And it was this truth. Jesus, and he's quoting Isaiah, came as the Messiah. The purpose was to free those in bondage and to give sight to the blind. This is what Jesus came to do. This is still what he comes to do. Fast forward. Saturday, yesterday morning, I had some different things going and was just struggling through the day. And I was about, I had physical stuff, I had emotional stuff, I was wrestling, I was still, I was still locked up in some way. And so Jill tells me, read First Peter. And so I read First Peter, but honestly, all First Peter was doing to me in that state was just beating me up. Like I was seeing all of those things that I don't do. Because it's a high bar when you really start, like the early church, like they were sold out. And so it was just, it was just doing the same thing, like beating me up. And I was pointing this out to her and she was like, you don't see the point, right? And I was like, but, it, but I'm not doing this, right? And I'm not doing that. Have, anybody, have you ever been that way when you read the text? So we go to the kids' football games, and we, we come home. And here's the deal. And, and I, so I will go ahead and a disclaimer up front. I'm on the crazy train. I'm riding the crazy train. A lot of you who are rational, thoughtful people, I have no clue what's going to happen from this point forward. But the Bible that I had been reading in First Peter was open to Isaiah 44. Just telling you. I read through. I do with Jill. Reading through the text. And this is what comes up. It's talking about a person who makes an idol. He makes a god or his idol with the rest of it. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it. Save me, for you are my God. 
Such people do not comprehend and cannot understand, for he has shut their eyes so they cannot see, and their minds so they cannot understand. No one comes to his senses. No one has the perception or insight to say, I burned half of it in the fire. I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and ate. Should I make something detestable with the rest of it? Should I bow down to a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. His deceived mind has led him astray, and he cannot rescue himself or say, isn't there a lie in my right hand? Remember these things, Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, Israel. You will never be forgotten by me. I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Rejoice, heavens, for the Lord has acted. Shout, depths of the earth, break out into singing mountains, forests, and every tree in it, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorifies himself through Israel. In the midst of this, this same idea of eyes being shut, not being able to understand, not being able to comprehend, what the Lord said was, I formed you, Return to me, for I have redeemed you. I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. And I read it, and, and Jill, I'm like, first off, I read it because the Bible was open there. I was like, this is crazy. And Jill goes, don't you see it? I'm like, what? And she just says, he's telling you to turn to him. And he will heal you. This is what God is doing. Now, earlier that day, I had been at my grandparents' house. And I went outside into their yard. And I was just, I was in a a dark, I was just in a deep place. And I just got down on my knees. And I was like, God, I cannot do this. And honestly, I was about to call somebody else to preach. You're going to have to do it. And that was before I came home, before I read that text, before Jill gives me that clear word. And then my phone rings, and it's my friend Brandon, and Brandon's one of my out there friends. But he had a message that was the same. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, God's calling you to turn back to him and to his way. Now, all of that happened so sequentially at such specific times. It was God. I'm just telling you. That's the invitation for me and you is surrender fully to him and release The glory of people. What does the Bible say? All people are like 
grass. Their glory is like vapor. So all, so all, for me in ministry, all of you and all of your concern for me, whatever glory there is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't ultimately, right? Like none of us, we're all here for an instant, a moment. So to live for your glory for the rest of my life would be an absolute tragedy. It would be an absolute waste. And it would be at the cost of what God has for me with him in me. Leading, guiding his glory. And so here's an application. First of all, what I want you to know, God is more real to me right now than he was 24 hours ago. I found out this morning that my sister-in-law for the last past week has been praying and fasting for me and my brother-in-law, Josh, who's the worship pastor at the bridge here in town, specifically that blind eyes would be open and that hard hearts would be softened. And God did it. Like, I'm just telling you, I could not have put this together. God is real. Like, really real. He really is. And all of these things along the way, and, I, and again, I'm on the crazy train all the way. There are so many things that I can't even begin to describe to you that come together. And I doubted them. There are so many things he's done and said and worked that after a matter of time, I've thought that was crazy. That wasn't him or I was just make that up or that was just coincidences. Right? And maybe you're there. Maybe that's you. Like, you feel kind of hopeless of actually like encountering God or, or that God couldn't love you. Right? For whatever reason, I don't know, whatever reason is that God couldn't love you, he couldn't be at work. And so he's been doing things. He's been speaking through people around you. He's been giving you revelation in different ways. And you, and you, and so here's what I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna challenge you. I can't make this happen for you. I can't do that. But I want to fight against the enemy. I want to fight against the enemy that would just hold doubt and unbelief over your mind. That is a miserable place to live. And you have to fight that with the truth. Right, God's, here's what I want you to hear. God's invitation to you, no matter what you've done, where you are, 
how nutso you think I am at this point. is to turn to him that he would heal you. That just like the prodigal son, that you turn back and your father's arms are open, ready to receive you, ready to heal you, ready to, to bring you into a relationship with him that, that is not just rational. And so I, I just wanna, I wanna stop here just, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. Because I'm going to tell you the next step, but I almost want to do it separately if that's okay. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. I want to invite a time of surrender first. There's a step for me that I believe I've got to take, but I want to, I want to do this first for God is inviting you into a real deep relationship with him. Someday you're going to stand before him. You are. Like, there's a real God who really made you. Really, 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 really. The spiritual world is real. Like, I know there's a lot of you that don't. And I'm, listen, I'm in a different place than I've ever been, okay? These spiritual, this is real stuff. You can psychologize it and minimize it. And I, I get it. I've been there. It's real. And anything that is keeping you from that, from surrender fully, anything that's got you glory blind it's more glorious to you like whatever that is then surrendering fully to God I promise you one day you'll stand before him and you'll realize man that was a waste that was worthless compared to walking with God I'm going to ask Anybody who's willing to come up to the front, a few of you all, I want to invite us into a time of surrender. Invite us into a time of surrender right now, and then I'll tell you something later. And so we're going to all be here. Um, Nathaniel, can you come up? Jill, you come up. Uh, Who else is here that would? Wiley, you come up. Tony, there you are. If you want to pray with somebody, I'm going to invite you to do that. If you just want to surrender at the altar, I'm going to invite you to do that. And and I'm going to believe that God can do for you what he's done, done for me. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.